Let's pray together, church. Our Father, it's with great delight that we come before you this morning, before your Son. God, we're grateful for your word and the importance that your word plays in our lives. Lord, help us to surrender and submit to your word. And Lord, may your spirit lead us, guide us, direct us every step. Lord, this morning we pray for salvation, for conversion of souls. And we ask in Jesus' name for you to be with us as we study your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. I hope you will humor me a bit this morning. I'm going to play a little game. We're going to see how well you know your fellow church members this morning. I'm going to give you some facts about a few people. See if you can name that church member. First church member worked at a place called Dow. Retired. He helped rebuild this church after Hurricane Gustav blew the roof off. And he is currently in deacon emeritus status. Can anybody name that church member? Dave Turner. Dave Turner. All right, how about this one? One of them that I wrote my clues for is not here. Y'all want to hear it anyway? It's kind of a fun one. The first clue is she's really loud. I only needed one clue. All right, here's one. Loves chocolate. Makes great sheep. Love science and engineering. It's you, Dennis. All right. How about this one? Makes great costumes. Has been around this church longer than I have. Plays a great piano. It's you. A handyman. Can build lots of good stuff. Has a pocket full of candy every week. <laughs> and I like my last clue. He's married to a wonderful chick. <laughs> yeah. I got one more. I thought of this one. Just um, one more. One of the best dressed church members. I know y'all want to say me, but it's not me. He gives you a hug every time you see him. Maybe even two or three hugs. And he loves to build with Legos. That's cute, Colby, is you? I hadn't got my hug this morning yet, Colby. Just, oh, maybe I did. I did. I got one in the hall. Everybody's different. You know, God made us all unique. God made us to be different for a reason and uh, there's a reason 
Amy can sing like she can, and I can't. God made us different, and he's gifted us in different ways. Uh, and, and that's part of the beauty of the body of Christ, is that we're all different. And, and in that, God has given us different paths, different histories. You know, and I love hearing the story of conversion. And, and for many of, and probably most all of you, I've heard how you have came to know the Lord. Uh, I ask it when people join the church every time. Uh, I've known many of you for many years and I've heard maybe it was a Billy Graham crusade. Uh, maybe it was under the ministry of this church and through your Sunday school teacher. Uh, maybe it was uh, through another church and, and a church you loved and, and were a part of. Uh, the stories are, are crazy. Some had drugs in their past. Some grew up in a Christian home that protected many things of this world. But God has drawn people through different, through different paths of lives. And, and I love Psalm 40 and what you read this morning, Jeff, because no matter our history, no matter where we've been, we've all been pulled up, Christian, out of a miry pit out of a bog where we felt like we were lost and we recognized that we were lost. All of us have been in places where we, where we recognize the deceitfulness of our own hearts or we recognize the, the selfishness of who we were and we've come to a place to humble ourselves before the King of Kings and say, Jesus, I, I'm not what I need to be. I'm not what you've created me to be. And I need to humble myself before you. That's what Christianity is. And that awakening has taken place in our hearts to where we recognize that. A lot of people walk through life and just justify who they are. And, and demand everybody uh, justify. Or demand that everybody recognize. But it's, it's few who find a place in their life where they are sorrowful for who they are outside of Christ. And they say, say Lord, I, I, I am poor in spirit and I need, to, I need redemption. And with that said, we, we turn to our graphic that we've been studying this year. Uh, as we study through the Bible, uh, we've, we've got uh, this graphic of... of what the, the story, the narrative, the meta-narrative of the Bible is that God created all things, that mankind as a whole, in our representative of Adam, rejected God. And now we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And yet, God didn't stop there. That was not the, the way the Lord did. Does anybody remember the two things last week that I said the Lord does. All right, Ash, what you got? God seeks. He seeks out a people. And then God speaks. He doesn't hide himself. He's, he's, he's clear. And, and he didn't end there. We have this story of redemption. And it's a, a process for many people. And, and this morning, I wanted to take and, and dive into the process and somebody we've read about this week in our, in our weekly Bible readings. And he's, he's 
a, a great character to study. He's somebody probably, if you knew him, uh, you would either love him or you'd hate him. And hopefully in the latter state of his life, you'd love him. Uh, and, and his name's Jacob. And if you've never studied through Jacob, he, he has several chapters in Genesis. And he's really highlighted more than, than a lot of other characters are. And, and he, certainly more than his father, Isaac, we don't have much on Isaac. But Jacob, for whatever reason, Moses dials into Jacob. And I think I know the reason. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to open up to Genesis 25. This is Jacob. And the first time we meet Jacob, we, we know something special is coming. Even before Jacob is born, God intervenes. And he speaks. Listen to chapter 25, verse 22. The children struggled within uh, Rebekah. And she said, if, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? Or if, if things are good and okay, why is this happening? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. And two peoples from within you shall be divided. One shall be stronger. And what does it say? The older shall serve the younger. Now, this is quite interesting if you know the story of Jacob, because it certainly doesn't seem like that. As far as the, the men go, does it? But we know something special is coming because God has already determined that the older shall serve the younger. Now, what we also find out is that they name him Heel Snatcher, which is an interesting name of, of what seems to be something in deception. And even in the womb, we see Jacob trying to cling to his brother. And we were foreshadowed to him taking what his brother has, his birthright and his blessing. So this is a, it's an interesting uh, introduction to Jacob. Uh, and then the next section that we see him He's doing just that. And later in 25, verse 29, once Jacob was cooking stew, and Esau came from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau came to Jacob and said, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Verse 31, Jacob said, let, sell me your birthright now. Now, what is a birthright? Uh, we talked about this Thursday night online. I'll, I'll review it a little bit. If I, if I have six children, my inheritance would be divided seven parts. So number of children plus one. And the firstborn male would be given an extra portion. So in my family, Eli, wherever you are, Eli, Eli would have been given two portions and every other one of my children would have been given one portion. Now, that was due to additional responsibilities and, and duties that the firstborn would have. But so this extra portion is what Jacob wanted from his brother. Now, well, we see Esau in his logic in some way. I am about to die. 
Therefore, what is a birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me now. And he swore to him and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Now, there are problems on both sides of this equation, Esau and Jacob. But here you have Jacob taking advantage of his brother. And what what Moses is getting across primarily in in our perspective of Jacob is this guy took advantage of his own flesh and blood, his own brother, to gain an advantage. That's the character of this one we have called Jacob. Well, if you've read the story, does it stop there? Oh, no, it doesn't stop there. So he's building the character to us of Jacob, and then you'll see why. Let me go into chapter 27 and verse 15. This one's a little bit lengthy, but bear with me, please. Then Rebecca took the best garments. Let me back up. Rebecca really loves and favors Jacob over her son Esau in a sinful way. And she gets behind this scheme to, to steal the blessing of Isaac and give it to Jacob rather than Esau. Really a despicable thing that she would do to her husband. Uh, And to her son, Esau. So she says, I want you to dress like Esau. Put on the hairy uh, animal skins and and feel like your brother. And every time time I read this, I think of Chaz and his hairy arms. It's funny. I don't think of your hairy legs. I wasn't going to say it. It's not your hairy legs, Tom. Uh, She dresses her son. And we'll pick up in verse 15. Then Rebecca took the best garments of Esau, her older son which were with her in the house and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goat she put on his hands and on the smooth part on his neck. And she put delicious food and bread, which she had prepared into the hands of her son, Jacob. So she dressed him up just like Esau. So he went into his father and he said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game so that my soul may bless you. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? And then Jacob blamed God. He answered, because the Lord your God has granted me success. And then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I might feel you, my son, to know whether you're really my son Esau. Isaac's on to this. So Jacob went near to his father and felt him. The voice was Jacob's voice, but the hands were Esau's hands. And he did not recognize them, but his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. And he blessed him and he said, are you really my son? And he answered, I am. Lying again. And he said, bring me near that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought him near and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. And his father Isaac said, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the clothes of the garments and blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son is the smell of the field. And the Lord has blessed. May God give you. All the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and the plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you. There you go. There's harking back to that that prophecy before he was born. Let the people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brother. 
Maybe Isaac even trying to undo God's prophecy. But causing it to be, in a sense. And blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of his father, Esau's brother came in from hunting. Now, notice a couple of things here. He was totally motivated by his mother to go do this plan to the point where his mother said, may the curse fall on me. And what Allison pointed out to me this week, which I'd never thought of, may the curse fall on me. And and it kind of did because Rebecca would lose her son for many a year because she'd have to send her son that she loved Jacob away. Uh, But imagine the pain of betrayal this causes to Isaac. You know, your your son comes in and and through trickery and conniving, they steal something from you rightfully, steal something of what you want to do. And and I can imagine if my son were, were to come and rightfully steal something that they knew was important to me, the betrayal that I would feel. Well, that's the character of Jacob. So again, how could you steal from your own father who has given life and effort to you? And, and that's what, what he does. But that's not the end of the story. Y'all still with me? Y'all following this? That's not the end of the story. Watch it continue to unfold. 28 verse 10. Jacob has a dream. And, and God is going to pursue Jacob. So think about this is the guy that stole his father's blessing, stole his brother's inheritance. And even from those closest to him was willing to just rip the mat right out from them and take it. This is the character of Jacob. All right. But God pursues him. This is wild. God doesn't seek out. Only the holy people. God seeks out sinners and and nasty people who we wouldn't even want to be around. Watch what happens. Chapter 28, verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a place and stayed there the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder under heaven. Excuse me, sat up on the earth, and the top of it reached into the heaven. And behold, an angel of God, the angels of God, were ascending and descending on this ladder. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, Yahweh. I am the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in your offspring or in your seed shall all of the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am what, church? I am with you. I lost my spot. For behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. God is pursuing him. God is with him, a sinful, conniving schemer. For I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised to you. And y'all, I can't help but think of the great grace of God. 
We sing a song, Belinda, Marvelous, the Wondrous Grace of Jesus. I think it's the underline of that song. Uh, Jesus, 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 sweeter, sweetest name I know. That he pursues us. And while we are yet sinners, what happens, church? Christ died for us and pursues us. And God doesn't relent. He follows Jacob. And I, I don't know how you planned it, Amy, but surely goodness and mercy, Psalm 23. The last verse of Psalm 23 that she sang to us is surely goodness and mercy will what? Will follow me, will pursue me, will hunt me down. And that is who God is. God knows who is his own. And he hunts us down. Have you been hunted down, Christian? You know, uh, Charles Spurgeon called him the hound of heaven. That the spirit of God pursues those. Those who are in sin. Timmy, we talked about it yesterday, didn't we? Those in sin, God will pursue. And, and even in the same family, one may come to know the Lord and life be transformed. And one continue pursuing the things of this world. I will, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back this land. I will not leave you until I have done all that I have promised to you. Then Jacob awoke. And watch what Jacob says, y'all, okay? This is the grace of God magnified. I'm pursuing you. Look how Jacob, look how Jacob responds. So Jacob woke up and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't even know it. And he was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place? This is, there, there, this is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. I saw the, the ladder there. And what a picture of Jesus. I'm not going to get into all that. But the picture of Jesus, the ladder and ascending. Look up Nathaniel in the New Testament when Jesus speaks to him. If you want to study that. Verse 18. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he put under his head and set it up as a pillar. Poured out oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. What's Bethel mean? Beth is Hebrew for house. And what is El? El is God. So house of God. He called that place house of God. He called the place Bethel, but the name of the city was called Luz. They didn't agree with, with Jacob. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God, hear it. Y'all ready? Jacob made a vow. And what does it start with? He made a vow saying, y'all, if just kind of gives you a window into his mind. This is Jacob. Jacob's always worried about Jacob, right? If God will be with me and keep me in the way that I go, I will get and, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then what? Oh my God. Jacob's always looking out for, for Jacob. God is pursuing Jacob, but Jacob says, if God will give me food to eat and take care of me, then he'll be my God. Y'all see that? And a lot of people come to Christianity like that. Have y'all seen that happen? It's kind of human nature. That, and, and really what that says is people are not really fully willing to surrender to God. They want God for what God will give to them. 
Y'all see it? Y'all see what I'm saying? What can God do for me? And y'all, this is, this is preached in churches too. God will give you this if you're giving to him. Or God will give you this if you're faithful to him. Or if you do this, and it's an if-then kind of relationship with God. But truly, God is gracious. And God demands of us to be faithful to him. And so, Christian, deep down in the core of who we are, it's I want to worship God because I love him. Because of who he is. Not just because of what he can hand to me. Uh, My son does not love me because of the things I give him. I don't think. No. He loves me because we have a relationship and know each other. And love each other. Our relationship is strong. We both sacrifice for each other. We help each other. The Lord is gracious. Reaching out to Jacob when he didn't even deserve it. The Apostle Paul speaks of this in Romans chapter 9. I speak specifically of Jacob. Y'all still with me? God, there's so much in this chapter. Oh, I wish I could do two, three weeks on this. Paul says this in Romans 9, 11. Though they were not yet born and had not done any either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. Now, this is a beautiful picture that Jacob was a, a, a creep. He was, he was a jerk. He was a bad guy. Stealing and taking what wasn't his own. Always scheming to get something for his own. And, and, and Paul sees it and recognizes it. It wasn't because of what Jacob was doing. Even after God pursued him, he was still all about Jacob. And yet, look at what the scripture says. The older will serve the younger as it is written. What does it say? Jacob, I what? I loved. He was not lovable in God's eyes. And yet God loved the sinner. Christian, can you relate? Can you relate? Like, do you remember who you were before Christ? Maybe you're in the room today and you're, you're, you feel not so lovable. You've defied God. You've abandoned what God has called you to do. And this is where the Christian faith comes in and says... God welcomes any sinner that repents. And in fact, he pursues sinners to the point of repentance. And even the Bible says the repentance is a gift of God. That God might grant them repentance. Is the way the scripture says it. Now, this is a beautiful thing that Jesus saves sinners that repent. Y'all, I'm greatly humbled every day in my prayers. Oh God, I don't deserve your salvation, but you pursued me. Even when I was a sinner. You shed your blood knowing that I would, I would be a punk. And that even today, I'm selfish. You can ask my family, a selfish guy. But even now, God bears with me in his goodness. All right. Y'all, I'm, uh, all right, let's, let's jump ahead. God is gracious. Y'all still with me? Are y'all still with me? 
One person. Are y'all with me? Get back with me if you're not. This is so good. Jacob's going to learn about Jacob. And God is so gracious that he sends somebody into Jacob's life to teach him about who Jacob is. If that doesn't make sense, let me... God's going to put a character in Jacob's life who's a jerk, who steals and who sneaks and who lies and who takes Jacob's stuff. And I think Jacob's eyes open at that point to see that's who I am. And what's the name of the guy that God sends into Jacob's life to trick him? It's Laban. Laban. And Laban's going to pull a dirty trick on Jacob. Genesis 29 verse 18. Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob loved a woman named Rachel, and he said, I will serve, talking to Laban, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, it is better that I give you to her than I should give her to any other man. Oh, isn't he sweet? You're such a good guy, Jacob. I'd love to give her to you. Don't listen to what people say. Listen to what they do, right? So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love that he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, and I might go into her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place, made a feast. Oh, this guy, he's a sneak. He's going to make a feast. He's going to gather everybody together, get a whole lot of witnesses, get everybody involved. Verse 23. But in the evening, he took his daughter, Leah. Oh, man. And he brought her to Jacob. And he went into her. And Laban gave his female servant, Zilpah, to his daughter, Leah, to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why have you given me Leah? Why have you deceived me? Oh, if Jacob could just look back a few years. Sneaky, sneaky. Remember, it was Jacob that dressed up like his brother to sneak his father. And now it happens to him. Oh, the irony. The same thing. Laban said, it is not done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Oh, you sneaky. Complete the week to this one, and I'll give you the other one in return for seven more years. Oh, man, what a, what a scoundrel. This is straight out of Jacob's playbook, though, right? I mean, can you see Jacob doing the same thing? God teaches us hard lessons, and sometimes he puts people in our lives to reveal to us where we need to improve, and that, that's kind of what's going on. And I hope that's happened to you as well. That God has taught you hard lessons about your character and where you need to, where you need to get right. But look, y'all, God does not stop blessing Jacob. Uh, it continues in chapter 30. Jacob blesses all the work. I'm sorry. God blesses all the work that Jacob does for Laban. And he gives him uh, offspring of his sheep and he gives him Children, and he gives him all these good things. Jacob's still Jacob. You know, not, not much has changed about Jacob. He's doing his thing, but God's working on him. And in verse 29 of chapter 30, Jacob says to Laban, You know yourself how I've served you and how your livestock have fared with me. 
It's all good under me. In other words, Jacob recognizes that everything is blessed under his hand. For you had a little before I came, and it's increased abundantly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever you turn, wherever I turn. But now, but now when shall I provide for my own household? Right, Jacob wants to work for himself. He spent 14 years of his life working for, for the man, if you will. And he said, Laban said back to him, what do I give you? Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. Do this for me. I will again pass through your flock and keeping. Let me pass through your flock today. Remove every speckled and spotted sheep from every and every black lamb. And the spotted and speckled among the goats, they shall be my wages. So my, uh, so my honesty, watch it. So my honesty will answer for me. What's going to answer for Jacob? His honesty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you come back to look for your wages, everyone that is not spotted and speckled and among the goats and black among the lambs, if you find them with me, they shall be counted as stolen. You get all the pure ones, Laban. You just give me all the speckled and spotted model ones. Laban said, all right, good. Now, Jacob's plan, if you read through the story... Jacob's going to go through a plan to try, to try to steal more and more sheep from Laban. And he puts some spotted uh, birch in front of them. And, and he believes they're, when they mate, if they see spots, they're going to have spotted babies anyway. God ends up and continues to give to Jacob. But Jacob has a plan to let his honesty stand for him while he's sneaking around trying, having this plan to steal more and more of Laban's offspring. This is Jacob. That's, that's Jacob. But God doesn't stop. And he continues to pursue Jacob. Y'all watch this. It's relentless. God doesn't stop. God has a plan and he executes. Watch it in chapter 32, verse 24. Well, Jacob was left alone. He's going back to Esau, who he's cheated, leaving, leaving Laban, who he's cheated, and who his wife begins to cheat on her way out by stealing some of the stuff. So Jacob's got people all around him who he's cheated from. He's surrounded by people who hate him. Laban does. I mean, what a wreck. Laban's in a, Jacob's in a bad place. Nobody likes him. And so he comes and, and now Esau's coming out and Esau left, last left him and said, Esau said, next time I see you, you're dead meat. And so he's heading, he's trying to be obedient to where God has called him to go. God said, go back to the land of your father. So Jacob's kind of trying to be obedient to God and, and do that. And, and he has to, he ends up being left alone in a plan to try to appease his brother Esau, who he thinks is going to kill him. And Jacob's left alone. We pick it up in verse 32. Jacob's left alone. A man in the middle of the night wrestled with him to the break of day. And when the man saw that he did not overcome or prevail against Jacob, he touched Jacob's hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with this man. Who I believe was, again, like we looked at last week, God speaks through 
the God in the flesh, which is a, a pre-incarnate Jesus. But there are people who believe different things. I believe this was a pre-incarnate second person of the Trinity who wrestled with Jacob, puts his, his hip out of socket and said, um, then he said to him, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. <laughs> Who's Jacob worried about? Jacob's worried about Jacob, right? That's the way it is. And he said to him, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. And the man says to him, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but what? Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and prevailed. Israel means strives with. El means, of course, God again. So strives with God. So he says, you've striven with God. Your name is going to be Israel. Jacob said to him, all right, well, please tell me your name. But he said to him, why is it that you ask my name? He don't want to give his name. And there he blessed him. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face. And my life has been delivered. Now, what we're going to find out here is that night, Jacob truly was changed. His name was changed. He's given a new identity. And, and this identity, while it speaks to the wrestling, Jacob strove with God. I guess that's the past tense. He, he strived, however you want to say it, with God that night. But I believe it's more than that. Jacob had been striving with God his whole life as a cheater and a scoundrel. He'd been wrestling with God who was pursuing him, calling him to do certain things. And this very night, victory comes to Jacob. He prevailed with God. Victory meaning he submitted to God. And he allowed God to name him. I don't know if you know that in the text. When you let somebody name you, what does it show? It shows that person has authority over you. So Jacob lets this man name him and he surrenders to this man. And from that point forward, henceforth, you're going to see a new Jacob. And I don't know if you saw it. Uh, I don't have time. I've run out of time to read all to read these larger passages. But you're going to see Jacob surrendering to his brother Esau and preparing to give to him great gifts, not worried about Jacob but worried about pleasing his brother. You're going to see in chapter 35, I believe it is, he, he takes all of the household gods that were with him in verse 2. And he takes all those and he says, take all your foreign gods among you. Purify yourselves. Change your garments. We're starting anew. Take your idols. Cast them out. Change your clothes as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. This is a new Jacob. This is Israel. I have striven with God. God has overcome me and he's renamed me. I am God's now. You're going to see uh, Jacob changed uh, in chapter 35 later. God gives him this blessing and he, and he gives a blessing that he, he gave. God again continues to speak to Jacob. And he gives him the blessing that he gave to Adam and he gave to Noah and he'll give to Moses and he tells Jacob be fruitful 
and multiply. And we're going to see God's hand upon this sneaky guy who loved to steal from the people around him, become a generous man. And a man who loves his children. And a man who turns into a father who cares deeply and is very protective of his children and wants to provide for all of his people. Jacob's changed, y'all. And it's because he has an encounter with God where he surrenders himself to the authority of God. And so this morning, I end with this. God is a God who seeks. God is a God who speaks. God is a God who pursues. And God is a God who saves and transforms. Christian, if you're listening, just hear this as kind of a, a denouement. A wrap up. God has saved your soul, Christian. You are a new you. My prayer for you and my encouragement for you is that you not be so worried about you. And as we recognize that in Jacob, sometimes it's harder to recognize it in our own selves. But God has, has given us a purpose in the kingdom of God. We saw a redemption story this morning. God has called you into redemption like he's called Jacob into redemption. But he's called you into the kingdom to do kingdom work. And getting up here on a Saturday morning rearranging our shed was kingdom work. So that we can have our stuff ready to, to present a kingdom message and our passion play. And our fall outreach. Our trunk or treat. Showing up here on a Wednesday morning. Or a Saturday morning to, to do yard work or to, to, to meet for Bible study. These are kingdom things we're involved in as a church. God has changed you, Christian. Give your allegiance to him as you surrender to God. And God names you one who has striven with God and who has been changed and altered. Christian, that's you. If you're not a believer this morning... You're here under the sound of my voice for some reason. God has placed you here. It could be that God is pursuing you. And he's placing you under the sound of the gospel message. That Jesus Christ came and lived a holy life. A perfect life. He surrendered himself at the cross to die. A sinner's death. One who had never sinned. To die a sinner's death. That sinners might be reconciled unto God. But his death doesn't apply to everybody. It is only for those who humble themselves and request salvation from him and believe that Jesus offers true salvation and that we can have true salvation if we surrender ourselves to him, repent of living under the world's authority and be renamed, if you will, by, by God alone. And be renamed Christian. Little Christ. Christian. One who follows Christ. So if you're not a believer today, I urge you to turn away from godlessness and turn to Jesus. To humble yourself and find your new name today. Find it in Christ. You can be identified in Jesus. But it requires you to return or to turn away from the world. And is Jesus offered eternity in hell or eternity with God? Jesus said, I am the door. If you want to turn away from hell, you can come through me, the door, and enter into the temple and to the presence of God.
Has your name been changed? Let's live like it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the message of Jacob this morning. Thank you for this church and the way that you've transformed so many lives. Praise the name of Jesus. Our rock and our redeemer. Praise the name of Jesus who has saved our soul. Who has given us a new name. God, may we leave this place doing kingdom work in the kingdom name of Jesus. It's his, in his name that we pray. Amen.